Back Porch. This is your co-host, Cruz Chavez. All right, so today uh, we've got some new stuff. I know that we are going through Revelation. Last week um, I was out for a vacation, so it was good to be away, but now it's even better to be back. Um, so just to kind of kind of catch up or do a, a brief summary of where we're at, we are going through the book of Revelation, and today I'm going to be doing a solo, doing all this solo. Um, G is um, busy with school and with um, work, and so just today we're going to be doing this alone. Um, so just be patient with me because there is a lot to catch up on. There's a lot to cover. Um, Revelation alone is already can be difficult to go through. There's a lot of detail uh, there's a lot of things to uh, to talk about and to further explain, but I, I'm not going to ex- be able to explain everything in this one episode. Um, what I'll what I what my plan is is to cover chapter eight and nine, and we're just gonna I'm gonna do my best to explain and help you better understand Revelation chapter eight and nine, um, and then we'll pick up next week on chapter ten and eleven. So again, where we are with Revelation, um, so far, John has been called up to heaven. We know that he hears this trumpet-like voice, and he's called up to heaven. And I want you to remember that, that this trumpet-like voice. He's called up to heaven um, from the island of Patmos, where he was sentenced, um, basically to spend the rest of his life on this island just to die. Um, but God has one more purpose for him, one more plan, and it's to reveal um, the end times. And there are some things in these in, in verse or chapters one through um, twenty where it's kind of it's kind of all in order, um, but then at the same time there's some there's some things in here that are not necessarily in order. Or as far as the timeline goes. Um, so understanding that, going back and reading that for yourself is super important, just so you can kind of get an idea of where we are in this timeline. Uh, we all have our own ideas and opinions and theologies, but we know that one thing remains to stand true, and that's God's Word. God's Word will always be true. It will always be um, the main source where you of where you get life it's the main source it's the main truth and so if you ever find yourself not knowing what you believe or not knowing what is truth uh, because of what someone else says you can always refer back to scripture and whatever scripture says is true it has to be true um and so we're going to go ahead i'm just going to go ahead and read chapter eight um, I'm going to go ahead and read the verse, first seven verses, and it says this. When the Lord opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven for about half an hour. Then I saw the seven angels who stand before God and seven trumpets were given to them. And another angel came and stood at the altar with a golden censer, and he was given much incense to offer the, uh, with the prayers of all the saints on the golden altar before the throne, and the smoke of the incense with the prayers of the saints rose before God from the hand of the angel. 
Then the angel took the censer and filled it with fire from the altar and threw it on the earth. And and there were peals of thunder, uh, rumblings, flashes of lightning, and an earthquake. And then moving on to the seven trumpets. Now, the seven angels who had uh, the seven trumpets prepared to blow them. The first angel blew his trumpet, and there followed hail and fire mixed with blood, and there were thrown upon the earth. And a third of the earth was burned up, and a third of the trees were burned up, and all the green grass was burned up. So here you see John who has, again, another vision or something that he's trying to explain to the best that he possibly can. And what he sees is the seventh uh, seal and the golden censer. And so he's talk, he's, he's seeing all these things unfold before God. Um, so we were, where we left off was um, Jesus opened these seven seals. There was no one else who was worthy enough to open the seven seals. Um, but Jesus was. He's the Lamb. He's the Christ. And so he opens these seven seals, and um, all these certain events started happening. You know, this is where we saw the horses come into play, where you saw the white horse and the black horse and the red horse. Um, and it, the, the reader or the writer kind of described who was riding the, the horses. Um, well, now we're to the seventh seal and the golden censer. And so I want to note a couple things here. Uh, that the seals of the trumpets, the bowls, and the judgments increase in their intensity. So every time that there was a seal that was opened, every time that a trumpet was blown, it intensified. Whatever occurred on the earth intensified each time, meaning it's only getting worse and worse as uh, as they continue on. Um, there is... There is an order in these particular trumpets that are blown. Um, There's certain judgments. Every single time that a trumpet was blown, a judgment was made. Um, And this first one, verses 1 through 7, it's judgment on the earth. And then you can go back and and reference uh, these judgment, these trumpets and these seals. You can compare it to the bowls. Now, we're not there just yet. We're not there to um, the judgment bowls or the bowl of judgments. Um, You can read that later on in chapter 16. But here, chapter 8, verses 1 through 7, it's judgment on the earth. So uh, just a couple things. There's preparation. Everything so far that has happened before, before all that happened, there was silence on the earth. It says that for about half an hour, there was silence in heaven. We don't necessarily know why there was silence in heaven. We don't necessarily know if something happened during that first half an hour, during that first 30 minutes. But we do know that there have been times in past where you've seen this silence. And I'm just going to go ahead and read off just some scriptures. Um, Back in the Old Testament... It says, hold thy peace at the presence of the Lord God, for the day of the Lord is at hand. There's a lot of things that uh, in the Old Testament that reference this time period in Revelation after like basically when the world is coming to an end, when God's judgment is falling upon the earth 
its final judgment is falling upon the earth. So there's this silence, but there people were talking about it and writing about it, and they referenced this time period as the uh, the day of the Lord or the wrath of the Lord. And there are other names for for this time period, but this is just one particular name. Another example is, um, Be silent, O all flesh, before the Lord, for He is raised up out of His holy habitation. Another scripture says, The Lord in His holy temple, let all the earth keep silent before Him. So you see there's this silence. You see these people who, who yell out, and declare silence before the Lord because God is about to do a mighty thing. Now, from your pers- it, it, depending on from whose perspective, you know, that can be debated on this mighty thing. You know, is it a good thing? Is it a bad thing? Um, that is, that's something that you particularly as the listener would need to pray and read over and, and going back to what do you believe? Do you believe that you that are you a pre-trib, mid-trib, or post-tribulation person? Meaning, do you think the church is still going to be here during this time period? There are many people who don't believe the church is going to be there during during these judgments, during these uh, when these seven trump seven trumpets are blown. People believe that the church is going to be raptured up, saved from these horrible things. But again, it's all about perspective. For the church, if you believe you're going to be raptured up, judgment on the earth is a good thing because you know that things are finally coming to an end. All these horrible things that people experience like sickness, death, um, rape and murder and, and uh, like sex trafficking, all these horrible things that happen on the earth all these hoardings of treasures, all these, uh, some of the things that James, the book of James talks about, um, some of those things are finally coming to an end. All bad things are coming to an end, and that's a very good thing. But then then you have some people who believe the church will still be here during this time period, and this is going to be a horrible time. Now, I pray personally, that, that the church is not here during this time because I would want to be saved from, from the hand of God's wrath falling on the earth. Um, but again, going back and reading for yourself and determining what, what do you believe. So you see this silence on the, in heaven uh, whenever, he opens this, whenever he opens the seventh seal. And then it, it goes in to talk about this censor. Now, these censors. Now, just a couple things here. Um, back in the Old Testament, these censors, they were used as, as like methods of prayer, as methods of, uh, of like a worship. Uh, you had these high priests who would fill these censors and they would put burning coals inside the censer. And as smoke was rising up, it was these prayers of the saints, prayers of the, of the holy priests that would go up to heaven. 
and then they would cast out the coals and they would become one with the earth. It was symbolism, but it was actual, but it, it's not just symbolism. This is like actual events that are, that are happening. And so um, burning incense on this altar was a picture of prayer ascending to God. And so on the great day of atonement, the high priest would put, um, he'd put incense on the coals in the censer and with the blood of the sacrifice, he would enter the Holy of Holies. And so you saw a small piece of that in, in verses one through, one through seven. Um, and then moving on, it says, and, and, and picking up in chapter or in verse six, now the seventh angel who had the seventh trumpet prepared to blow them. The first angel threw his trumpet and there followed hell and fire mixed with blood. And these were thrown upon the earth and a third of the earth was burned up and a third of the, of the trees were burned up and all the green grass was burned up. And so you see judgment on the earth. I'll go through and explain um, just a couple th- or explain how everything is broken up um, through chapter 8 through 9. Um, so verses 1 through 7 in chapter 8, it's God's judgment on the earth. Verses 8 through 9, you're going to see God's judgment on the sea. And verses 10 through 11, you're going to see God's judgment on the rivers. On verses 12 through 13, you're going to see his judgment on the heavens. And then... Um, Chapter starting in chapter nine verses one through one through two, you see his judgment on mankind, and there's torment um, that's included on that. Chapter or verses thirteen through twenty one, there is an army that is raised up, and we'll get to all that eventually. And so, picking up in chapter eight, again, this is judgment on the sea. It says this. It says the second angel blew his trumpet, and something like a great mountain burning with fire, was thrown into the sea, and a third of the sea became blood, and a third of the living creatures in the sea died, and a third of the living, or a third of the ships were destroyed. Again, it's his, it's God's judgment on the sea. So there's a, within that particular, within those particular verses, um, you, you have this, you can kind of almost picture it in your head. You can, it, you can almost make assumptions on, on what this is going to look like. Around Earth, you have stars, you have um, meteorites, you have, um, you have other things, other debris that's kind of floating out in space. Now, God is in control of all things. He's created all things. And so you can almost imagine, you know, one of they've even made movies about this of like what happens if a meteorite or a meteor like enters the Earth's atmosphere and hits the Earth. Or maybe you have like something like NASA who tries to save the Earth and they send a rocket to hit this uh, rock that's flying into the Earth's atmosphere about to hit the earth, and they're having to basically hit it, explode it before it hits the earth or before it enters the earth's atmosphere. And so they save the day. 
well, you can kind of picture a moment like that. Well, except it doesn't, there's, there's no good ending. A third, you see a third of the ships. You see a third, um, it says a great mountain burning with fire was thrown into the sea and a third of the sea became like blood. And a third of living creatures in the sea died and a third of the ships were destroyed. Now you're starting to see slowly be taken, taken away from the earth. Starting with the creatures, starting with the water, starting with the, the ships. If you think about how much uh, hum- humanity, um, how much humanity relies on ships, relies on the food of the sea, and thinking about how a third of that is taken away, that's a lot. I mean, we just recently went through COVID, and we see how, I don't know the percentages, but we see how part of our economy just fell apart because there was a lack of people being able to work or because there was like low on resources. Well, here... It's happening, and it's not just a portion. It's not just a small fraction. It's a third of the entire earth, a third of the sea, a third of the creatures of the sea, a third of the ships are completely destroyed, and that is just a bad day. That's just the beginning. Again, every time a trumpet is blown, it intensifies. Every time a judgment is made, things get worse and worse, and so this is just, again, the beginning of true pain that's that's about to unfold on the entire earth or as it's already unfolding on the entire earth. And then moving on to um, chapter or verse 10, it says, The third angel blew his trumpet, and a great star fell from heaven, blazing like a torch, and it fell on, on a third of the river and on the springs of water. The name of the star is Woodworm. And a third of the waters became woodworm, and many people died from the water because it had been been made bitter. You see references of this in the Old Testament. You can go back, and woodworm is is talked about throughout all of the Old Testament. Um, Moses talks about it. King David talks about it. Woodworm is just something that's described as bitter. Um, you even see a moment where um, I believe this is written down in the book of Ruth, where um, Naomi, Ruth's mother-in-law, she kind of, she names her herself bitter because she believes that God treated her bitterly. She, her husband had died. Her daughter or both her sons had died. And so she changed her name uh, to like pitiful or bitter or something in that nature. And so here you see a reference to woodworm. Um, and again, it's made bitter. A third of the water was made bitter. And because of that, a third of the, of the people died. There was no more water to drink. I think there is a study that says only, you can only survive, what, like four days without water, without drinking water. And of course, I mean, you can nowadays you can probably drink Kool-Aid or drink soda and not drink water for a week straight and be okay. But 
you're not going to have all of those other things, those other luxuries, because those things are luxuries right now. You're going to have only water. That it, that's your only supply. And imagine if a third of that, if a third of all the water was made bitter, you have no more water to drink. What are you, what are you going to do, right? What, what is, what's your only source? And so people go to drink it. And because of that, a third of the people die. It's just a horrible, horrible time. Um, and so kind of going, taking a step back, uh, the third angel blew its trumpet and a great star fell from heaven blazing like a torch and it fell on a third of the river. So there's, there's some things to be talked about, about this great star. Um, let me look for it in my notes because there's, um, in, in this, in these verses, it's super important that we get this, get this right. Because you see this star that falls and you, and you wonder, what is this star? What's the meaning of it? People believe that this star could be considered Satan. People believe that this star could be considered something that is um, that was sent to torment the earth. And so just keep that in mind that a third of the angel, that the third angel blew his trumpet and a great star fell from heaven. And so you see, and that's why people believe that this great star could be Satan. And so just keep that in mind for now. Moving on to chapter or verse 12, sorry. It says, The fourth angel blew his trumpet, and a third of the sun was struck, and a third of the moon, and a third of the stars, so that a third of their light might be darkened, and a third of the day might be kept from shining, and likewise a third of the night. This is, this is where it gets really bad. Like, you thought it was bad whenever we lost our water source, when we lost a third of our ships, when we lost a third of, our, of the sea, sea creatures. Well, now you've lost a third of light completely. A third of the sun is gone. A third of all the stars are gone. A third of the moon is completely gone. And I'm going to read that again. The fourth angel blew his trumpet, and a third... Of the sun was struck, and a third of the moon, and a third of the stars, so that third of their light, complete light, all light in general, was completely gone so that it might be darkened, and likewise, a third of the night. So now we're talking about our ecosystem. We're talking about how a third of the entire, uh, of how Earth, Earth's main, main living system or reproductive system, I mean, we rely on light so much for everything. Plants, we rely on, we rely on the sun, and some plants probably rely on the moon or stars in some weird special way for growth, for reproduction, um, well, when you take a third of that away, you're taking away a third of our crops. You're taking away a third of, of a lot of things that rely on light. Even, look, look, even looking to um, a third of, of, of our work. During the day when you wake up, some people go to work. Some people do work night shifts, sure. You're not going to have that during this time period. You're going to have 
you're going to be able only be able to work during a certain time period. And whenever a third of your light is gone, some people might not be able to perform their work because a third of the light is gone. And so that affects so many things in many ways that we can understand. And I'm not going to try and sit here and explain all the different things that could take place because a third of the light is gone. But just to some extent, I want to help you visualize how great and how deep when these things are taken away, you're not taking away just the light. You're taking away other things that are produced because of the light. And so um, it's, it's Earth's life and energy. That's where, that's our main source is the sun. And so a third of that is taken away. Okay, continuing on. Uh, picking up in verse 13, it says, When I looked and I heard the angel, I heard an angel crying with a loud voice as if as it flew directly overhead. Woe, woe, woe to those who dwell on the earth at the blast of the other trumpet that the three angels are about to blow. So you picture these, uh, when, when John was first called up to heaven and he was describing some of the things that he was seeing, he saw these seraphims or these, um, I can't remember if that was the name of them, but he saw these living creatures that had six wings, two to cover their face, two to cover their feet, and two to keep them afloat. And they would cry out all day long, woe or holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. They would cry that out all day long. And so here he sees these, these living creatures that are flying over overhead and they cry out loud. Woe, woe, woe to those who dwell on the earth at the blast of the other trumpets that the three angels are about to blow. Now, when you, when you get to the point where these, these first trumpets were blown and all these horrible things have, have already happened, like you have a third of, a third of the earth that has been judged. You have a third of the ocean, a third of the sea that has been judged, a third of the rivers have been judged, and then a third of the heavens have been judged. And you see all these great things that are about to take or that have already taken place, and then next thing you know, you hear these angels crying out loud, whoa, whoa, whoa. I mean, there is some crazy stuff that's about to get bad. It's about to get even worse. More, it's going gonna, it's gonna to get, I don't even know how to, how to explain this, but it's basically, you thought it was bad. Well, it's about to get even more bad. I don't know how to, how to say that. But it's about to get really bad because you have these angels that are now crying out with a loud voice. Woe, woe, woe to those who dwell on the earth at the blast of the other trumpets that the three angels are about to blow. And then that moves us on into chapter 9. So chapter 9, um, 
Again, chapter 8 and 9 go hand in hand here. Um, Beginning of chapter 9, verses 1 through 2, this is God's judgment on mankind. So I'll go ahead and read that for you. It says, And the fifth angel blew his trumpet, and I saw a star fallen from heaven to earth, and he was given the key to the shaft of the bottomless pit. He opened the shaft of the bottomless pit, and from the shaft arose smoke like the smoke of a great furnace. And the sun and the air were darkened and the smoke from the shaft from the smoke of the shaft. So who could this great star be that has the keys to open up the bottomless pit? Now there are some things to to really think about on this particular um, on these on these verses here because we know that Christ has the keys to to hell. Uh, we know that he has the keys to I believe he has the keys to life and death. I believe that he has authority from God to do whatever he wants because God and and Jesus are one. He receives his commands from God, and so he lives that out. And so him and God are one. But you see this fallen star from heaven, and you have to say to yourself, is it, who is this? Is, this? is this Jesus that it's talking about? Or is this Satan that, that, that Scripture is talking about? Who is it referencing? So... Back in, um, I believe it is back somewhere in, in, in Luke. Um, maybe it's Luke. Maybe it's also here in Revelation. You see some descriptions of, of Satan. So the bottomless pit is literally the pit of the abyss. Um, Luke makes it clear that this pit is the adobe of the demons. And John states that Satan will be temporarily jailed, um, jailed, jailed there during our Lord's reign on the earth. And then it, later on in Revelation, um, you see the Antichrist who will ascend out of the pit. And so today we know that the fearsome army described here is already incarcerated. So they're like already imprisoned waiting for the hour of liberation. So this fallen star is a person. It's the king over the beings in the pit. And so back in Ephesians, I believe it's Ephesians, one of the names of Satan is Lucifer, which means this brightness. And he's also compared to the morning star back in Isaiah. And so you see a lot of, uh, again, you see a lot of these descriptions uh, of who Satan is or who he was. He was this great star. He was this this being that God created, and he was beautiful. But he wanted to become like God, and so then he was cast down to earth. He was cast down, so he is this fallen star, and he opened the shaft of the bottomless pit, and from the shaft rose smoke like the smoke of a great furnace, and the, and the sun and the air were darkened with the smoke from the shaft. And so you see Satan, he kind of, he's about to unleash his torment on the earth. 
But here's the beautiful thing, because I, I know right now there are so many crazy things, so many scary things going on during this time. And TJ kind of, he, he threw it out there so many times, and I think he tried to reiterate this because this is not a fun time. This is not something that even TJ wants to talk about on a Sunday morning because we want to focus on God's glory. We want to focus on the things that Christ has done for us, for, for humanity, for, for God's people. And yes, we want to focus on that, but it's important that we also read the rest of Scripture. We know that we know what is to come, what is God's plan in all of this for the rest of mankind. And so I want to reiterate it. This is not a fun time. This is not something that's fun to talk about. And I know it might be be hard to hear. I know it might be scary to listen to because you see movies that kind of play into um, Armageddon, that play into uh, the world ending. And yes, this is a horrible time. And I want to reiterate, this is not something fun to talk about. This is not something that's exciting to talk about. But we know in the end of all of this, the beautiful thing about all of this is that God remains in control. Satan cannot make a move that God does not allow him to. His demons do not make any move that God does not allow them to. And so you have to keep that in mind through all of this, no matter where you stand, whether you're pre, mid, or post-trib, whatever you want to say, or maybe you don't even want to think about those things because they're too complex to even consider thinking about, but to remind yourself that God remains in control. That is the beautiful part about this whole thing. Okay, now picking up in uh, verse 3, and it says this, then from the smoke came locusts on the earth, and they were given power like the power of scorpions on the earth. And they were told not to harm the grass of the earth or any green plant or any tree, but only those, those people who do not have the seal of God on their foreheads. So I'm going to stop there for a second because this goes back to... Um, this goes back to chapter 7, the 144 of Israel sealed, the 144,000 of Israel sealed. So there are these locusts. So you have Satan. He is cast down from heaven. He opens the shaft, this pit, the shaft of the bottomless pit. He releases his demons. And so they are described and and. There has been there's been some debate. You know, are these demons? Are these actual locusts um, that are that are given the ability to torment the earth? We don't truly know, but we know that they have the power of scorpions on the earth, and so that's why we believe that they are demons. That they are met um, whether they are locust-filled demons or they are people who are possessed by demons or. We don't know what this is going to look like exactly, but they were told not to harm the grass of the earth or any green plant or any tree. Again, you have God's authority and you have God's will always in place because even though Satan is cast down and he opens this bottomless pit, 
he opens the shaft and out come these locusts that have the power of scorpions to torment the earth. They cannot, they cannot exercise their authority by harming the grass or any green plant or any green tree or any tree in general. It says they are only allowed to harm those who are not sealed of God, who do not have the seal of God on their foreheads. And so TJ talked about this two Sundays ago because we're a little bit behind here. And if you want to go back and listen to his sermon, I highly recommend it because it's probably going to make more sense how he describes it all. But you have 144,000, and they are sealed. And again, this is even referenced back to the Old Testament when Israel was in Egypt. And it says you mark your doorway with the blood of the lamb. And this is actual lamb's blood. And death, will, or this angel of death, will cross, will pass by, and know to not harm that household because they are sealed by the blood of the Lamb, which is a symbol of God. You, you are not allowed to harm my people. God tells them that. God, in this same way, God tells them this exact same thing. You are not allowed, you, you are not given permission to harm my people. You are not allowed to harm my 144,000 Israelites. And on top of that, anyone that they save, anyone that comes to know Christ during this time period, and I'm going to describe it again, the church is raptured up. The church is completely gone. This is what I believe. The church is completely gone. Then God calls 144,000 people. These are non-believers at this point, but he calls them to be believers, just like Paul was called to be a believer on his way to Damascus. They are called to come to know Christ, and so they know Christ, and from there, they start a whole new, uh, you can call it a trend, you can call it God's plan, you can call it whatever you want, but God's people or God's kingdom become, begins to grow, and it goes back to the, um, the thousands upon thousands, this great multitude that this, that this king in heaven could not even count because there was a great multitude of them. And, and he's asking John, John, who are these people? And John says, you know who they are. They are the ones that, are, that have come from the great tribulation. They are the ones, and so right here, right now, you have people who are saved, and God is saying, you are, he, he commands um, Satan and his demons, you can harm everything else. You can harm all the people that, that are not sealed by, my, by God's seal. But you cannot harm his people. You cannot harm the 144,000 and anyone who is marked by God's seal. And that's a, a beautiful thing. Again, I'm telling you, this is God's authority through all of this. They're not even allowed to harm the plants. They're not allowed to harm the grass. So it's just, it's just crazy. It's, it's amazing to me 
how powerful our God is, how in control our God is. Okay, picking up and moving on. Um, it says they, uh, they were allowed to torment them for five months, but were but not to kill them. And their torment was like the torment of, of a scorpion when it stings someone. And in those days, people will seek death and will not find it, and they will long to die, but death will flee from them. Okay, this right here is, is also, it, it's kind of hard to understand because you have Satan and his demons who were, um, were, who were given the okay to torment the non-believers, who, people who are not sealed by God's seal, but they were not allowed to kill them. And on top of that, during this time pe- pe- period, there's going to be so much tragedy and pain that people are going to want to die, that people are going to want to no longer live. But it says here in Scripture that they are not allowed. Uh, they are not allowed to kill themselves. They're not allowed to be killed. It says death will flee from them. Uh, and they were these these locusts. Uh, they were given authority to torment them for five months. And there has been some study, um, and you can go back and look this up yourself, um, that locusts typically live for about five to, four to five or six months. And so that's why people are kind of not really sure, you know, are these actual locusts? Are these actual demons? Are these people? What, you know, what is this? What, what are we looking at here? We don't exactly know, but they are given a time period, and that's five months um, and they will not be allowed to kill, um, but they are allowed to torment as a scorpion torments when it stings someone. But death, they, people will seek death, but they will not find it. Uh, death will flee from them. Okay, picking up in, cha- in, in verse 7, it says, In appearance, the locusts were like horses prepared for battle. On their heads were that uh, looked like crowns of gold. Their faces were like human faces, their hair like woman's hair, and their teeth like lion's teeth. And they had breastplates like breastplates of a lot of iron. And the noise of their wings was like the noise of many chariots with horses rushing into battle. They have tails and stings like scorpions in their power to hurt people. For five months is in their tails. For they have, uh, they have, as kings over them, the angel of the bottomless pit. They have as king over them, the angel of the bottomless pit. His name in Hebrew is Abaddon. And in Greek, he is called the Apollyon. Okay, we're going to stop there because there's a lot to picture to take in here. So these scorpions or these locusts, they are horses. They are, uh, you have... And it, and it goes into describing what these what these horses look like and what power they possess. But I want to it's it's kind of interesting because the focus here is on nothing less than these horses and these locusts. Okay, and then picking up on in in chapter or in verse verse twelve, the first woe has passed. Behold, two woes. Are still to come. Again, there is just so much, so many, so many more um, things to come. 
Okay, reading on. Then the sixth angel blew his trumpet, and I and I heard a voice from the from the four horns of the golden altar before God say to the sixth angel who had the trumpet, release the four angels who are bound at the great river Euphrates. So the four angels who had been prepared for the hour, the day, the month, and the year were released to kill a third of mankind. I'm going to stop there. Um, because there are these four angels that are bound. I don't believe them to be angels from God. I don't believe that these are angels that that are receiving command from God, but only receiving command from Satan, because I don't believe that there would be any sort of angel that would ever be bound for any particular reason. But it says here in Scripture that they are released. Um, so the four angels who had been prepared for this exact hour, this day, this month, and this year, they were released to kill a third of mankind. The number of the mountain troops was twice 10,000 times 10,000. I heard their number, and this is how I saw the horses in my vision and those who rode them. They wore breastplates the color of fire and sapphire and, and of sulfur, and the heads of the horses like the lion's head and fire and smoke and sulfur came out of their mouths. By these three plagues, a third of mankind was killed. You saw some of these, or you didn't, you didn't see some of these, but there, you can go back and read during Moses' time when he received command from God to go and, and tell Pharaoh, let my people go. If not, these plagues are going to fall upon you and your people. And of course, Pharaoh didn't listen, and all these plagues unfolded. And it wasn't until Pharaoh lost his son, because Moses says, if you don't let my people go, if you don't let God's people go, then you're going to lose your son. And he didn't believe it until his son actually died. Okay, And then so you see all these plagues unfold and in the same way. You're going to see these plagues unfold on the land, and a third of the people are going to die. Um, it says by three, by these three plagues, a third of the mankind was killed by by fire and smoke and sulfur coming out of their mouths. For the power of the horses is in their mouth, or in their mouths and in their tails. For their tails are like uh, serpents with heads, and by means of them they wound. They're not allowed to kill, but they wound. The rest of mankind. Uh, were not killed by these plagues, uh, did not repent of the works of their hands, nor give up worship, worshiping demons and idols of gold and silver and bronze and stone and wood, which cannot see or hear or walk, nor do they repent of their murder, of their uh, sorceries, or their sexual immoralities, or their thefts. If you go back and read James, if you go back and read the book of James, he, he, he's really good at describing people of wealth. He talks about um, why, I'm not exactly sure why he talks about this um, so much, but he talks about people of wealth. 
and how some people, they hoard their wealth, how some people, they hoard it and they never use it for God's glory. And then some people obtain wealth wrongfully, meaning they steal it, meaning they kill for it, meaning they, they obtain it in some dark way. And I think during this time period, things are going to be so bad. You're going to have people of wealth who are hoarders, who are literally um, hoarding their wealth when the rest of the world is dying, or people who are obtaining wealth by killing people, by um, uh, sex trafficking, by drug trafficking, by anything that you can imagine horrible in the most horrific ways people obtain wealth. Well, during this time period, you're going to have that. It's going to amplify. And on top of that, after all these horrific things occur, a third of the entire earth is destroyed. The plants, the sea, the earth, the, the sun and the stars, the moon, the ocean and the ships, a third of all these things will be taken away and a third of humanity is going to be completely gone. It's going to be killed off by these, by these scorpions, by these demon-possessed horses that are pictured or de- uh, described in this scary way. And I think John describes it in this way because he wants the reader to fully understand, and I think it's God, God wants the reader to fully understand how horrible this time period will be. And again, this is not something, this is not something that not even I want to talk about or be able to to explain to someone, because this is not a good time period. But even after all these horrific things, it says, mankind still did not repent of their sins. That shows you how far gone these people are. They are far past salvation. They are far past God's grace and mercy. They could care less about God. They care more about their life, their wealth, their way of living, that after all these horrific things, they still don't repent of their sin. It's just going to be a bad, bad time. Um, and so I'm going to leave that off. I'm going to stop right there um, in chapter 9. That is chapter 8 and 9. Uh, I know that this may sound like a lot. This is probably not something that you want to even listen to while you're at work. This is probably something that you don't want to start your day off uh, while you're on your way to work. Or even, you probably don't even want to listen to this as you're wrapping your day up. But nonetheless, this is something that needs to be talked about. Because I know for me personally, this is so deep. And I think there are so many things that are explained in chapter 8 and 9 that will eventually make sense in chapter 16. Or maybe um, verse chapters 1 through 7. There are some pieces missing there. And, and 
chapter 8 and 9 kind of fill some of those pieces. But I, I want you to go back and read chapter 8 and 9 for yourself. I want you to pray over this and allow God to reveal his word to you. What is it that you need to receive from him? What is it that you need to hear from him today? Because I believe there, there are even people in, in our generation right now who, who have this same mindset. We live amongst people. We live amongst great sin. And you have people who are committing these sins and they could care less about salvation. They could care less about grace. But I want you to pray in particular because these are some deep things that need to be talked about. And even though it's horrible right now in chapter 10 and 11, I'll go ahead and say doesn't get any better. But it does eventually get better. And that's the beautiful thing. Satan and his demons are not allowed to do anything that God does not allow them to do. Um, and that, again, that's just the beautiful thing. That does the, conclude the first three and a half years of this tribulation period. Um, it's going to be seven years total. And this is just the halfway point. Um, and so... If you, again, if you have any questions, just reach out. And again, thank you so much for joining. We'll see you next week.